G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We're going to be talking with author and preacher Ken Legg, all about his new book called Tetelestai, It Is Finished. Ken, of course, an international speaker, author of several books, including This Is the Life, How to Establish Your Heart in the Grace of God, What's Eating You? New Covenant, New Glory, and of course this new one is called Tetelestai, It Is Finished. Ken's the founder and pastor of New Beginnings Christian Church on the Gold Coast in Queensland. He and his wife Marianne have been involved in church planting and pastoral Bible teaching since 1973. Churches worldwide have used Ken's resource materials. And we're talking today about Ken's new book, Tetelestai, It Is Finished. Ken Legg, welcome along to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Good to be here. I think uh, there's a little exercise here for listeners, isn't there, uh, just on how getting this pronunciation <laughs> of your book. I mean, people will say, you know, what's come over Ken? Why is he calling a book uh, by a with a Greek, Greek name, name in there, which is actually tough to pronounce? Yeah. So uh, are you sure that it's... Tetelestai, well, just a few times I actually us. pronounce it Tetelestai. That's how I've heard it pronounced. But um, you may be right, you know, being the Greek scholar that you are, Neil. <laughs> uh, but here's, here's the first uh, really deep question for you. When Jesus used that word yep. on the cross, yep. did he say it in Aramaic or did he use the Greek? Well, that's a very good question. <laughs> I would say he said it in Aramaic, certainly not in Greek, yeah. Do we know what the Aramaic equivalent is? I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, a listener or two might like to uh, even, uh, you know, contribute to our conversation. If you I was, know I was what going the to say to you, know, Neil, is that important to you? <laughs> well, not necessarily. <laughs> I think what is important, isn't it, is what you've got in the next part of the title. Mm. It is finished. finished. Absolutely. Uh, some of the most important words in the history of the whole world. Yeah. It is finished. Yeah, and, and some scholars say it actually means it's completely completed. It's perfectly perfected. Everything that God wanted to do to perfect our salvation was accomplished at the cross. It's not what we do here. It's what he did there 2,000 years ago that completed it. Okay, so when we talk about your new book, uh, your uh, part of the title, of course, is What Really Happened at the Cross. Yeah. Is there confusion as to what really happened at the cross? I believe there is, Neil. I believe that, um, you know, the gospel, Paul said the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Uh, a lot of people think that the power of God is in things that we do, like fasting, praying, giving, sacrificing, serving, all that sort of thing. Do those things, you'll get more power. Well, actually, the apostles taught differently. They said that the power is in the gospel. So if you believe the truth, God's power will work in your life. Now, if that's true, that means obviously the enemy will try to distort the message. The more it's distorted, diluted, uh, modified, the more the power goes out of the message. And I think that's what's happened today. We're, we're, we're experiencing a powerless Christianity because the, the, the message is becoming more and more blurred. 
Uh, interestingly, uh, sometimes when a new Christian movie comes out, and there's a depiction of Jesus on the cross, and uh, there's been some absolutely amazing depictions of Jesus on the cross. Yeah. But no matter what you see in a movie, no matter how the images might look, those always lack the understanding of the message, yeah. because it's the message, as you say, the message of the cross. It's yeah. the gospel message that's the thing that has the power. It's interesting you share that. On Sunday, I was preaching on you know Abraham offering up Isaac, which, of course, is a great picture of the cross. And you remember that um, he took with him two servants. Now, they went so far, then they were told, you stay here. And then Abraham and Isaac, which is a picture of the father and the son going up together to the cross. Now, when Jesus was crucified, there were two thieves crucified with him. Two went with him, as it were. And they could say, look, we know what he's going through physically. We understand the pain of crucifixion, but not spiritually. It's like God drew a curtain across that. And uh, it was something between the Father and the Son. When the sin of the world was laid upon Jesus, um, who can plumb the depths of that suffering and, and what took place there? It, it is wonder of all wonders. And Ken, reflect with us as we're getting into this conversation today uh, on your early days because you didn't start off your ministry career having uh, what you'd see now as a understanding of God's grace and this message of the cross in the same way that you do now. Yep. Reflect on the early days so yep. that we've got a bit of a picture of, of what happens with uh, with perhaps the idea that sometimes having a wrong idea of the message of the gospel, the message of the cross, actually yep. can take us off into all sorts of different tangents. Yeah, well, I guess we're all a product of the religious environment that we've been brought up with. You know, monkey see, monkey do. And so what I heard others preaching and teaching and the way they would manipulate through guilt and, and putting, you know, works trips on people to try to get them to earn favor with God and merit and stay in, in touch with God through their works, that's what I did. And I projected that on people. And in fact, the apostle Paul would say that I would be a minister of the old covenant, a minister of death. I was ministering condemnation, not life to people. And it was the study of the book of Romans that just turned my whole life around when I just went systematically through the first eight chapters of Romans, which is the most comprehensive teaching we have of the gospel. Then I saw, wow, <laughs> I've been preaching error. I've been preaching a wrong doctrine. I repented of that, of course, and uh, began to preach what Paul had taught as the true gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel of grace. Well, wanting to invite listeners to join into our conversation today, uh, you might have your own contribution to make, 1-800-316-316, our number 1-800-316-316, your opportunity to interact with Ken Legg, and you might be familiar with Ken Legg and uh, his usual programs here on Vision, and uh, talking programs like Set Free, where people are listening in to you talking about lots of these different issues. Uh, Ken Legg, an international Bible teacher, your opportunity to interact. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Ken, you say that the gospel is under siege. What, yeah. does, what does that mean? Well, I think it's always been under siege, uh, even in the times of the apostles. You know, they had to warn and, uh, you know, to, to give uh, instruction about what is the truth. And uh, Paul mentioned the fact that the gospel was perverted by legalists back in those days. They, were, they, they, they said, it's okay to trust in Jesus, but to stay saved, you need to keep the law. So Jesus would take you so far 
but then you've got to do the rest yourself. And Paul basically said, anyone that's teaching that, let them be a curse. Okay, you're teaching the, the law. Uh, you're actually placing people under the curse of the law because unless you keep the whole law the whole time, then you experience the, the curse of the law. And so he said, well, let them be cursed. So he just really said, no, it's all about grace. Now, of course, when you say it's all about grace, it's all about what God has done for us, not what we do for God, automatically people think, oh, so it doesn't matter what we do. <laughs> we can go and live in sin. Let's go and sin that grace may abound. Now, Paul anticipated that. And he said, look, whatever you do, uh, don't ditch the gospel or distort it just because of what people might do with it. Teach the true gospel in its fullness. Now, not only is uh, the grace of God sufficient to cleanse us from all sins, it's the only thing, Neil, that can get us out of the power of sin. Uh, The Bible says that sin will not have dominion over you. Why? Because you're not under the law, but under grace. And so we need to teach that grace is God's only remedy for sin, whether it's the, the penalty of sin or the power of sin, the grace of God. You know, where, where, where sin abounds, God grace abounds much more. We are taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from Anne in Labrador in Queensland. Hello, Anne. Welcome along. Nice to meet you. Nice to and I've listened to your program, so it's good to hear again from you. Oh, Anne, it's good that you've uh, picked up the telephone and you've decided to call and be a participant in our conversation today. What are your thoughts on our topic today? Oh, I think it's really vital that people know exactly what it really means um, because we were Gentiles and when the Jews, they had that relation, bit of relationship with, Je- with Jesus, but until Jesus died on the cross, no one else could could come into that relationship with 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 the Lord, and not only that, they also also they four hundred years there wasn't any of that relationship until Jesus died on the cross, and so they came into that relationship with Jesus because He died on the cross and gave us a a, a way to come into into that into His family, He adopted into His family. And of course, all that needs explanation, doesn't yeah. it? And let's hear from Ken. Well, and uh, you know, that's perfect what you said. Uh, Jesus is the way, whether it's for Jew or Gentile. In fact, when we come into Christ, there is no Jew nor Gentile because our focus is on Jesus, and Jesus is enough. Jesus is sufficient. Jesus is all we need. And, um, you know, it's the simplicity of the gospel that sometimes we lose sight of and make it complicated with all our our own own ideas. Yeah, Yeah, good on you, Anne. Okay. Thank you, Anne. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join into our conversation. Interestingly, Ken, unless you have some sort of idea about what the gospel meant to the Jews in yeah. the first century, mm. because Jesus was a Jew, yes. and uh, so this new covenant is really a covenant with the Jews. You have to understand yeah. how this grace works uh, in accordance with what the Jews thought about the law yeah. in order to then understand how we think about that after Christ. Yeah, that's true. In fact, um, you know, the the um, some people say to me, well, now that we're under grace, does that mean we don't need the Old Testament? And my answer to that is, well, of course we need the Old Testament. In fact, the, the only scriptures the early church had was the Old Testament. Uh, And yet they saw Jesus there. They had enough information there to preach Christ from the Old Testament scriptures. So it's not like we're ditching the Old Testament, but we're bringing it through the cross, you know, stripped of all its condemnation, stripped of all its um, uh, legalism, if you like, so that the emphasis is not on us trying to make uh, a pilgrimage to God, but the emphasis now is on Jesus' 
God reaching down to us through Jesus and doing everything that needed to be done and it's finished at the cross and now he welcomes us to come in by faith into the finished work of Jesus. Do you find that when you're speaking at conferences or churches and you do this uh, in many countries around the world, so you've got all these different cultural perspectives that are coming to you, uh, that people are often concerned about this whole issue of law and grace and what that means, how it looks in where the rubber hits the road today? Yeah, look, I mean, legalism, uh, personally, I think the law was intended to precede the gospel. The law brings us, first of all, a knowledge of God. You know, the commandments of God are not just um, an obedience test to see whether we would obey him. They're actually the transcript of his nature. You know, when God says, you shall not steal, it's because God doesn't take from us. He gives to us. You shall not murder. God doesn't take life. He gives life. You shall not commit adultery. God is always faithful in all his relationships and so on. It's a transcript of his nature. But it also reveals ourselves. You know, we are not like God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, that then really creates this sense of our need for salvation. We can't do it by law keeping. No one, you know, Paul says, if you want to uh, keep the law for your righteousness, you've got to keep all the law all the time. Well, nobody can do that. Nobody has done that except for one person. That's Jesus who fulfilled the law and imputes his righteousness to us. And so, um, you know, I, I believe that the, the, the law is a prerequisite for the gospel, to, to prepare us for the gospel. But just to get back to your question, um, in every culture, people are trying to get to God through their own efforts and their own merits, whether it's the law of Moses or their own legalism. I mean, the church itself actually has more, has created more rules and regulations than the Old Testament law. And so we're just as legal, legalistic, if not more so than those who try to stay under the law to please God. And yet, I guess if you've got uh, individual believers who come to faith in Christ, mm. and that happens in numbers, yep. uh, and all of a sudden you have a church. Yep. Well, there has to be rules in the church, and uh, the rules have to reflect in some ways, uh, mm. those things that we'd understand from, uh, you know, going back to the Ten Commandments, the, yeah. uh, those Old Testament laws, they are reflective. And some of those are uh, useful today and some of those are not. But I, I guess yeah. uh, what we're talking about here is uh, is uh, when, when we talk about law, there has to be rules when there is the body of Christ. Then mm. there has to be rules in a community and rules for a nation. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Uh, no, I think it's different in the body of Christ. Um, Jesus didn't really give us a law. He gave us a life. So he gave us his life. Now, that life produces fruit. If Christ is in you, the fruit of the Spirit will be love, joy, peace, goodness, long-suffering, faithfulness, holiness. All these things are the fruit of the indwelling Christ. Now, of course, there there is a need for instruction. You know, Paul instructs and exhorts the saints with um, uh, practical instructions in the epistles. But these are not conditions for our acceptance with God. They're not sort of rules that we have to keep in order to connect with God. We are connected to God vitally as as a branches in the vine. And because we're in Christ and our focus is on Jesus, his life flows through us with the result that we bear fruit. A powerful thing to talk about, that Mm. these laws are not the conditions that we have for our acceptance with God. A wonderful way to talk about the way that God is so gracious towards us in Mm. our sinfulness. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316, 1-800-316-316. Leslie is in Shepparton in Victoria. Hi, Leslie. Welcome along to 2020. Hi. 
Neil. Hi, hi, uh, Ken. Hi, Leslie. Hi. How are you doing? Not too bad. Um, I've been in hospital in Kyabram Hospital for a few days. Yep. Not so well. Uh. My iron levels were down, so I was very tired. I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what. But I went to hospital and found out. Anyhow, what I'm talking about is my my farmer. He's 85 years old, and one day he told me that he he said there's nothing wrong with having a belief, but a belief in God is very important. Yeah. Very important for a Christian. Absolutely. You know, and I've had an upbringing in the my mum's a Salvation Army, and her parents were Salvation Army officers. And brought up in the Salvation Army, and I followed Mum's Mum's leading, yeah. and um, that was good because I had that Christian upbringing. Yeah, the Salvation Army has a good standing with the people, especially the poor people of Australia, and um, I've had that upbringing too with with the same as Mum. Yeah. You know, and and it's important, isn't it, to have faith in God? Yes. Because you know we, we, we're not creators; we we didn't create ourselves. We are we're creatures. No. We're those who have been yes. created, and we're, you know we're meant to connect with God with with a living faith through Jesus yes. Christ. And it's lovely that you've got that, Leslie. I just yes. rejoice that you hold on to that. My father, my father doesn't doesn't is uh, not really a Christian. He doesn't go to church or anything like that. You know. Yeah. But you can, I can pray for him and uh, pray for him and, and yeah, share the word when when God opens yeah. the door and gives you that opportunity yeah. and yeah, d- right. just do that. That's God, right. God, God is a miracle working God. He's working in many people's lives, and when there's where there's life, there's hope. Well, Leslie, thank you so much for your contribution today on 2020, and uh, our prayer is that you'll recover quickly and that uh, you'll be out of hospital in no time. Uh, the Lord's blessing on you. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. We'll take another call in just a moment. But Leslie actually raises a very important point, I think, here, uh, Ken, when she talks about uh, and reflecting on her uh, upbringing in the Salvation Army. Yeah. Because what we see really uh, specifically with the Salvation Army, you can point to it and say it's a wonderful culture that is created in that body of believers, and yeah. particularly, you know, with their, their focus on the poor and these mm. sort of things, they come from a biblical uh, foundation. So yep. uh, while we're talking law and while we're talking grace and we talk about the things that, you know, that we need to adhere to or not, yeah. uh, or the conditions that we have for God's acceptance, wonderful cultures are created because people base their belief on the things of God that we find in the Bible. Yeah, and I, I would call that the fruit of you know a life that's rooted in Christ is that we will have his nature he certainly cares for the poor and the needy there's enough in the scriptures to uh, really verify that and so if Christ is in us you know we cannot walk past the poor or the needy when God brings them across our way we we will reach out in love and compassion towards them as as the salvation army do they do a great job and i guess in understanding this salvation by grace it's not because people in the Salvation Army are wearing a uniform that no. they are saved. Uh, it's because of God's grace and his unconditional acceptance of us, not because yeah. of a particular way that we are, although those things are wonderful and they are good and they create the culture of who we are. Absolutely. I mean, you look at the name Salvation Army and the roots of that, of course, were you know William Booth going and preaching the gospel in the east end of London, getting pelted with rotten tomatoes and eggs and everything, but standing up for the, the gospel as Paul did and proclaiming, you know, Jesus Christ is our salvation. And uh, 
that brings two kinds of response. Neil, as you know, uh, you know, people receive the the gospel heartily, but others um, are incensed by it and uh, you know turn upon it. But but that's the that's the root of this. We're talking about the fruit, which is um, kindness and goodness and compassion towards the needy. That has a root, and that root is Jesus Himself. This is Twenty Twenty with Neil Johnson. Helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Ken Legg is our guest. We're talking about his brand new book, really hot off the presses, and uh, it is available in the Vision store if you were looking to get a hold of it uh, before the end of the hour. Uh, Ken, to tell us, die, it is finished. Uh, and uh, we might even put our, our uh, listeners on the spot when they're calling in, uh, making contribution to our conversation. So let's keep taking some calls. Let's hear from Lorraine in Tea Tree Gully in South Australia. Hello, Lorraine. Hi, hello. Lorraine, uh, how's your Greek? Can you can you say the uh, the word tetelestai? Tetelestai. Oh, <laughs> I think you pass. <laughs> what are your thoughts on our conversation this hour? Um, I just needed some help. Um, I just have a couple of questions. I don't know. I'm hoping Emily can help me. Um, which is the question I have that I need an answer to. Yeah. What's your question? Um, well, I, I I've suffered for quite many quite quite a long, quite a long time now of cold chills that come throughout my whole body, and a feeling a lot of wanting to be sick and headaches. And um, this has happened also twice to me. Like this morning, I, I woke up with hearing the sound of a siren, like a smoke siren, but no one else can hear it. And um, then I, when I walked back in the room later, it sounded like an ambulance siren going off in the spirit. Though it was very loud. I don't know what it is that I'm hearing, you know. Lorraine, would you allow us to pray for you now over over the air? Okay, let's just do that. Let's just ask the Lord Jesus to to help you and and to minister to you. What is that you said, sorry? My name's Maureen. Maureen. Oh, Maureen. It's Maureen. Maureen, okay. Okay, Okay, Maureen. Let's let's just pray together. Yeah, I just just don't know what it is that I hear, because, you know, even though my son's son's a born-again Christian, too, he... He doesn't hear it. It's only me that hears it. Yeah, well, the Lord knows what it is, and uh, we're going to ask him to really minister to you now by his Spirit. Thank you. Father, we thank you that distance is nothing to you, and though we're here um, in Brisbane and Maureen is there in Victoria, we thank you, Lord, that your grace is with her, your Spirit is with her, and we just take authority over whatever is not of you in her life, and we just call her body and her mind into divine order, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray that you'll manifest your kingdom and your power, your healing and your grace to Maureen. Even now, from this moment, may she begin to be healed for your glory and your praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Maureen, thank you so much for calling in today. 1-800-316-316. Our talkback line is open. And uh, you can be part of our conversation today. Interestingly, Ken and uh, Maureen calling through there, not so much with that sort of doctrinal type question, but mm. but saying, you know, I've got a real issue here. Absolutely. And the question then comes, we're talking about the finished work of Christ. Yes. 
And so for Maureen to call through and say, this is what I'm challenged with right now, what does the finished work of Christ mean to me? Mm. I wonder whether you can reflect a little bit on on how that can uh, can be uh, an effective thing in our lives today, yeah. uh, the expectation of the supernatural, the expectation that God is interested in who we are as individuals. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we are body, soul, and spirit, Neil, and uh, uh, when what Jesus did at the cross resolves the spiritual issue. We're connected with God. We're right with God. We're complete in him. We're perfect. We're, we're righteous. Now, the fruit of righteousness is peace. So there's peace in our mind. You know, we have um, uh, those anxieties, those fears that would try to rob us of that peace. Jesus distills those and absolutely eliminates those from our mind to bring us into a state of peace. But also our bodies, you know, our bodies are not redeemed yet. We know that. Um, they're still mortal bodies, but we have the promise of healing in the word of God. And uh, we have that right to come before God and to, to claim healing over our body when we're sick. And so it's a whole salvation. We are taking calls 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from Robin in Mount Morgan. Hi, Robin. Yes, hi. Um, um, Ken, I just love your segments. They are just absolutely spot on. And um, we really do need um, that correction. Um, There is yeah, there are a lot of Pharisees today, I find, anyway. But what I want to say is um, the Old Testament. I just love the Old Testament. Yeah. But I've talked to um, people, like Jewish people, a lot, um, quite a bit in the last few years. And I've noticed that even though they have the Old Testament, there's, a, there's a, um, something missing. And yeah. w- when, when we read the Old Testament, we're coming from that um, position that Jesus has uh, sacrificed his life for us. Yeah, and I know a lot of people don't understand that, and I didn't for a long time either. But um, a lot of things in the Old Testament are very gory and and whatever. Yeah, and but every every part of it, everything points to Jesus. To Jesus. And, yeah. Yeah, and Chuck Missler made a lot of sense when he said, you know, the, the killing of the animals as sacrifices. I, I mean, I used to find that horrid, especially when they got to know the lamb before they yeah. killed it. And it's all. And that's exactly how it was with. Jesus, excuse yeah. me, and even from the father's point of view, seeing his son <coughs> cruelly, <coughs> excuse me, cruelly um, killed that way, and and yeah. everything else leading up to it. But, but Robin, yeah. running short of time, let's get a few thoughts from Ken on uh, what you say, and just a minute out from news. Yeah, love, lovely. I love what you say, uh, Robin, and uh, totally agree with you. Now, you know, I mean, this whole thing about you know the. The, the, the blood and the lambs being slaughtered, being gory and so on. That's the whole point is that sin is serious, so serious that it cost the, the, the life of God's own son. There was no other way that God f- could forgive us except through the precious blood of his own son. And so it's, if it if get, gets that message across that, you know, this is unpleasant, this is uh, not nice, exactly, it's hit home. That is the point is that sin is serious, but God has dealt with it through the precious blood of his son. Robin from Mount Morgan, thank you so much for your input today here on 2020. We will continue to take calls after the news. The number to call if you'd like to participate in our conversation, 1-800-316-316. Ken Legg is our guest. We're talking about Ken's new book called Tetelestai. It is finished. Uh, Why don't you avail yourself of the opportunity and chat to Ken personally, 1-800-316-316. Coming up, Afternoons with Matt and Rochelle. This afternoon we're live in Rockhampton where Matt is on the campaign trail at Heights Christian College. 
We'll be catching up with Shay Taylor, who's representing Aussie Christians for the Queensland Senate. Also, Pastor Claude from the Cathedral of Praise. And, we'll... and there's a bit of a challenge there as to whether our pronunciation is exactly right. But we might have some light on this whole pronunciation thing, Ken. Let's take a call. Mary is on the line from Adelaide in South Australia. Hello, Mary. Welcome along. Hi, guys. How are you doing, Neil? Hi, Mary. Very good, Mary. I'm Ken. Good. Now, Mary, as I understand it, you are Greek. Is that the case? Yes, I am. So you are going to have the definitive... Uh, pronunciation for uh, for Ken's uh, new title here. So, well, I, I I will give you the demotic Greek because there's a there's two, we have the Gaffarevosa, right. which is the what you call the ancient Greek, yeah. and the demotic Greek. So the word it is finished in the demotic Greek is deliose, okay. which is very right. similar to the Tetelestai. So deliose means it's finished. End of story. That's it. You know, with, an, with an exclamation mark. I love so that. End of story. That's good. That, <laughs> that is that. good. Thank yes, you. yes, yes. So, uh, yes. De, so you said delirosi. 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 All right. De you better make a note of that, Ken. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But it's, it's quite emphatic. Like it's, like I said, it's really end of story. Yeah. Okay. And but what we've been saying, tetelestai, is actually yeah. pretty good too. Is that the case? A- absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I'm giving you the demotic Greek, like yeah. what was not the everyday Greek, uh, and of course the, the New Testament is written in the or, or the Gaffarevosa too, in, in what we call the ancient Greek, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, the Koine Greek. We call it Ginonia. That Koine. That's another interesting word. We call it Ginonia. Oh, which means community. Yeah, kinonia means the whole of community. So that's another interesting word. Which koine mm. does as well, isn't it? Koinonia yeah, means course, you know, yes. to have in common. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. So every time I hear um, the word spoken in Greek, I get, I get excited because I think, what a privilege that, you know, I can speak the language. He's given me that privilege of actually speaking the language and reading and writing it. So it's just an utter privilege. And to talk to you guys too. Mary, while we've got you here, do you have a Greek New Testament that you read from uh, or anything like that? Yes, I have have quite a few. (laughs) I've got the the Ginonia Greek, which I read also, and also the Demotic Greek. I have two or three or four of them. And I compare because um, sometimes when I do read it in the in the um, the Ginonia Greek, some words are a bit tricky, so I go to Demotic Greek and it's, and it makes it you know, very clear. So I, I can read both. And I actually went, uh, I was seven years old in a, in a Greek evangelical church and they preached from the that uh, the Word of God in Greek, in the Ginonia Greek. So, yeah, it was amazing. I learned a lot in those seven years and, and you know, the Word was just expounded. And Greek, as you know, is a beautiful, a beautiful language. It's quite um, picturesque. And sometimes when you translate, as you know, you just don't get the beauty of that word sometimes. Mm. Such a deep language. I was saying to Ken just at the beginning of our conversation, and you might have heard, I said to Ken, well, this is uh, uh, Tetelestai in the Greek, but did Jesus actually say that in Aramaic when he was actually on the cross? (laughs) So do you know anything about Aramaic language? No, I don't. But I do speak Indonesian, if that's the (laughs) Now, Mary, um, you mentioned about Greek being such a, a beautiful language. It is. And, you know, the Bible says that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. And I remember sharing a, a message once about how God prepared the world perfectly for the advent of Jesus. And one of those things was, the, you know, the fact that everyone's speaking Greek just about. 
and mm. it, it, because it is the the best language for expressing theological truths. There's a richness about it. There's a there's a mm. breadth about it. And uh, mm. you know, God ensured that the Greek Empire had come in, and you know, Greek was being spoken around the mm. the known world then, and uh, it was just such a great medium of uh, communication, communicating mm. these wonderful truths that we share mm. in the Word of God. Yes, what a privilege. Yeah, it is. Yeah, maybe I'm biased, but like you said, it's a beautiful <laughs> deep language. Well, I remember and, I passed uh, yeah. at a church once, and I had someone who spoke Greek and someone who spoke Hebrew. I can tell you, it kept me on my toes. It puts a smile on my face when the, um, I'm at a church and the preacher comes out with a Greek word, and sometimes I shout out, that way, not that way. <laughs> I just hold my tongue and say, you know, this is yeah. how you say the word, so I just... Yeah, it's just yeah. amazing. Or I'll go up to him after and say, hey, Pastor, you know that word you said? It's <laughs> <laughs> like this, so in love, of course. <laughs> just, you know, in love and just, but yeah, it's just beautiful. And I just thank you guys for your program. Um, all of Vision has just been amazing. I went to Broome last year and I found your program. I've been on your program a while and gave my testimony how I found your station, went to Broome last September. I had a, a 10-day journey with the Lord. Wow. And since I've come back i have not opened up my turn on the tv since then <laughs> that's amazing and all i do is listen to vision and i'm uh-huh. there not taking notes <laughs> you know fantastic and i go to bed i stick my um my um the ear thing in my ear i've got my little walkman and i fall asleep with it and then i wake up in the morning and like i'm yeah, just addicted, I suppose. Uh, what would you say? <laughs> Mary, uh, you are like so many, and obviously we only just recently had a visionathon, and lots of people we were interacting with. And, uh, you know, while other radio uh, industry type commercial or ABC or whatever, they might have a bigger listenership than what we have at the moment, but mm. I don't know that there'd be any radio. Uh, organization that has more loyal listeners and you are just illustrative of that and and I know that you know and I can appreciate as you say you know it's like you you have the radio on it's like this washing in the word of God and uh, and there's a certain comfort that is there when you're sitting under uh, great Bible teaching and just understanding the things that God is doing in the world today. Mary, Always. thank you so much for your yes, input today you. on 2020. You and Great you feel you free guys. to call in if you've got uh, any more, uh, you know, Greek input uh, <laughs> over coming days. So you're a welcome uh, caller on, on 2020. <laughs> Thank you, Neil. God bless you guys. God bless you all. God bless you, Mary. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Uh, 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to contribute to our conversation. And uh, we've discovered that we have the pronunciation pretty right, uh, but you still need to practice it. Tetelestai, it is finished. It's Ken Legg's mm-hmm. new book. And, yes, you can get it in Vision Store right now. So uh, simply go to the Vision Store webpage and you'll find out how you can get a hold of that and uh, have it delivered to your place. Uh, the interesting thing is, Ken, it's not just all about the pronunciation of a word. No. We're talking about what the word means. What's it behind is it. finished. Yep. The finished work of Christ. Yep. And, uh, and already we've gotten to uh, an understanding of what it is to have the fulfillment yep. of what we've seen uh, through Old Testament times, and some of the callers have brought that out beautifully. But it is finished, something very important for us to all have an understanding of. Yeah. Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor, heavy laden. You know, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So if we're carrying a, a burden, a yoke uh, that is too heavy for us, it's not his yoke. It's a, it's a self-imposed yoke or it's a yoke that has been imposed upon us by someone else. But um, Jesus said, my yoke is easy. And that, that, that comes out of this incredible finished work of Christ. There's a rest for the people of God. 
and the gospel is a call to enter into that rest. It's not a it's not a rest of inactivity, but it's a rest of knowing that he's done it all and all that he wants to do in us will be done by him, by his grace. 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Steve in Parks, New South Wales. Hi, Steve. Thanks for holding on. Yeah, g'day and g'day listeners. I was listening with great interest to Pastor Legg's commentary on, uh, and yourself, uh, about Telestar, which I can just barely get my tongue around, <laughs> um, and it is finished, but it's a code for living, and I'm new to this, I'm what's called Born Again, and mm. I, uh, I was just a, like the Pink Floyd song, another brick in the material world that we live in that surrounds us, mm-hmm. um, just another cog in the machine, but it wasn't until... 1996 that I found some inkling or an understanding of what you good people have. Oh, praise God um, for that. But what I want to know is interstellar, I struggle with those words, it is finished. In this secular world we're living in right now, it's yep. so full of hatred and yep. division, is there room interstellar for um, a code for living which can give you the strength to keep going uh, in the Ten Commandments with the full armor of God. Yeah. Well, you know, um, that's a very good question, Steve. You know, Jesus said, it is finished. When you come to the book of Revelation, right at the end it says, it is done. It's a different word, but but it is done comes out of it is finished. Let me explain that. That, that. You know, we are living in a world that... Though Jesus has paid the price for its redemption, you know we're not yet experiencing the fullness of that redemption. We are redeemed. We are saved. We are washed in the blood of the Lamb. We're made righteous, and we have access to the promises of God and so on, the Word of God. But we know that as we walk through this life, we we live in a fall, on a fallen planet, and of which the Bible says, you know, Satan is still the prince of this world, the god of this world, the ruler of this world, and it's getting worse and worse. But when Jesus said, or rather it says in, in the book of Revelation chapter 21, it is done, that is the time when this, this world comes to an end, this age comes to an end. There's a new heaven and a new earth, and Jesus paid for that in his finished work. He paid for the redemption of not only our lives but of this planet. And praise God there's going to come a day when you know the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The lion will lie down with the lamb. There will be no more sickness, no more suffering, no more disease, no more pain, no more death. All these things will pass away. The former things will be passed away. And uh, we'll come into the fullness of what Jesus did on the cross with the tetelestai. It is finished. It's all paid for then. But the actual um, fullness of the inheritance is yet to be, and we're longing for that day. A biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. We're talking about Ken Legg's new book, Tetelestai. It is finished. You can be a part of our conversation, 1-800-316-316. Ken, coming into our last segment here, and we'll draw some loose ends together, but just to to advance what Steve was talking about, I mean, Mm. talking about community, this expression that we have, uh, the values that we hold uh, because of this Tetelestai, the finished work of Christ. Yeah, uh, these have an expression in our community, and uh, and uh, they do grow to affect the community. Our values. Yeah, 
Look, we have answers. I think that's the thing. We are the light of the world. Um, we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. We're separated from the world, but we're we're not hermits that go and live away and hide away until you know Jesus comes. Uh, we are the light of the world. And somebody once said, you know, this person is so heavenly minded; they have no earthly use. Impossible. I think if you really are heavenly minded, if your heart is in God, if your mind is in the Word of God, you cannot help but have an impact in this world. And that's why we're left here. Otherwise, God would have taken us home to be with himself. We're here to let our light shine. Ken, interestingly, I suspect there would be those listening to our conversation absolutely loving your wisdom when it when we talk about this uh, finished work of Christ. Mm. But it's almost as though there's this glimmer of light, and uh, as soon as the conversation's finished and Ken's not here anymore, somehow or other it'll dissipate and it'll go away. This is where it's important, I suspect, uh, to understand some of those deeper issues of our faith. Sometimes we talk about Christian doctrine or the teaching yeah. of the church, uh, and to understand those things mean that this glimmer of light that happens doesn't disappear because yeah. this un- understanding starts to take root in our hearts. Yeah, that's a good point, Neil. You know, sometimes we use that word doctrine and people back off. They say, oh, I'm not into doctrine, you know, as if it's some, you know, debating some deep theological issue. But doctrine simply means the things that we believe to be true. Now, if they're true, they will work in our lives. The truth sets us free. And I think one of the the big needs today is, um, if I can say, you know, many Christians are biblically illiterate and not taught in the basic, fundamental, but vital doctrines of our faith. In this book, Tetelestai, now we cover just an overview of some of the things like reconciliation, propitiation, uh, redemption, justification. Now you can people can say, "Oh, that's that's for theologians." No, this was for this was for people in the early church who were farmers, who were just everyday sort of knockabout people who understood the meaning of those things. Now you know what it's like, Neil. If 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 um somebody gets into a cult within six months, they know very clearly what. The, the main doctrines that that cult teaches. Is that right? Mm. And, and they can often cry, uh, try, sorry, I'll say that again, they can often tie Christians in knots because of, of you know, that they're well versed in the scriptures that they use to seemingly back up what they're trying to say. Now, I think that one of the, the greatest lacks today in, in the body of Christ is just a lack of teaching. And the Bible says that the, the days will come when people will not endure sound doctrine but they'll have itching ears. They'll run after things that just want to entertain them and to make them feel good. And we need to read our Bibles. We need to understand our Bibles, and we need to study the truths that the apostles taught. You know, the early uh, church, they sat at the apostles' feet until they were grounded in these truths, and nothing could shake them. 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Val is in Mackay in Queensland. Hi, Val. Welcome along. Hi. Val, what are your thoughts on our conversation today? Well, I absolutely believe that the end-time truth that we need to enter into is the finished work of Christ. Amen. uh, The totality of grace. Mm. And some people are preaching it, but there are others who are calling it hyper-grace and saying it's a dangerous doctrine. Yep. And uh, I get a bit angry about it. Maybe I could respond to that, Val. In fact, there's a whole chapter in my book called mm. Hyper Grace. <clears throat> and uh, you probably know that there was a, a brother in the body of Christ, and a lovely brother, I might add, who mm-hmm. you know has done a lot of good, taught a lot of good things. But, yes. but he, I guess in his concern, you know, when people start preaching about grace, 
I don't know. Mm-hmm. People seem to get worried that somehow if people start believing that they're going to mm-hmm. run wild, they're going to, you know, just go crazy and get into sin. So yes. he said something like, you know, I believe in grace, but not hyper grace. Now, mm-hmm. unfortunately, in saying that, he shot himself in the foot because mm-hmm. hyper grace is a term that the Apostle <laughs> Paul used. He said, wherever sin abounds, grace abounds much more, which is yes. uh, hyper parismos, which is, mm-hmm. you know, super or hyper abounds. And mm-hmm. so um, whatever sin does, grace does much more. You cannot out-sin grace. Exactly. Okay, that's one thing. So we've always got hope. It doesn't matter what a person has done, what, mm-hmm. uh, what failure they've uh, fallen into, grace abounds much more. That's the hope. That's of the, right. if, if, if I can't say that to anyone, then we don't really have mm-hmm. good news I, for I, people. I'd just like to say, I think um, you can come into just a head knowledge of of. Uh, the finished work of Christ. Yes. Um, and that can be uh, dangerous, maybe, yep. but <clears throat> it needs revelation. A revelation yeah. changes you. Yeah. <laughs> and if you have a revelation of the finished work of Christ, um, the totality of grace, yeah. well, that is what changes you. That's you what know, sets you free. Uh, yeah. We all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, we are changed yeah. into the same image. So it's the revelation of it that is needed. Yeah. And that's where I find the types in the Old Testament are so valuable yeah. for having that picture of grace. And it's when you come, you know, what to the torn veil in, in the um, yeah. tabernacle and... Um, Perfect. Yeah. When when you come in to um, to see it in the uh, pictured in the Old Testament types, that's when you get revelation on it, and that's what changes you. That people are worried that um, uh, some people will just hear, well, you can uh, hear the grace message and think they can do what they like. Yeah. Val, great contribution today on 2020. Thank you so much for your thoughts and uh, time running a little short. Uh, thank you so much to Val from Mackay. We won't be able to take any more calls, but thanks to everyone who's called in uh, through the hour. Uh, Ken, the idea of this grace, the idea of understanding that God doesn't have preconditions on us and uh, mm. uh, this idea of hypergrace. And I've not actually heard uh, that spoken of in the same way that you did, that Paul mm. was actually talking about hypergrace. Yeah. Uh, but there is a sense, isn't there, in which uh, we we understand that there is a outworking of our values. Yes, and if we share course. common values, yeah. then those values we need to make sure that they are proliferated. Yeah. And, uh, and, we, and that comes into all sorts of things to do with the civil law. But understanding the way that... The civil law is different to the sort of law that God is going to judge us against. Mm. Uh, the understanding, too, of of uh, the fact that uh, we've come from a sinful place, that we have a sinful nature, that yep. uh, I guess it doesn't mean that we never reflect on the sinfulness no. that we have. And I think Paul's response to that would be, you know, everything you're saying is true. Of course, there are, you know, there's, there's an outflowing of this wonderful life of Christ. It's a life of holiness. And uh, people are afraid, and so they go to the law. They say, we, we, we need backup. <laughs> we need civil laws. We need uh, rules to keep us on the straight and narrow. But Paul says, no, actually, grace does that. Um, the grace of God that appears unto men teaches us to say no to ungodliness and unrighteousness and to live godly, fruitful lives, looking for the coming of Jesus. You know, it's the grace of God, Neil, that does that. It's God working in our lives. So we don't need to fear grace. We embrace grace 
knowing that it's going to empower us to be all that we could be and to do all that the law could not do. You know, the Bible says that the strength of sin actually is the law. So the more you put people under law, uh, the law actually touches the point of our rebellion. So they end up struggling more with sin and difficulty. But put them in the grace of God, and it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Well, just to recount, the book is called Tetelestai, It Is Finished. It is hot off the presses, a new release. Uh, it's brand new. It is available in the Vision Christian store. So if you go to vision.org.au, uh, you'll find a link there to the Vision store. And uh, you'll find it somewhere uh, towards the front page because it's a new book. And, uh, and I, I think the people up in the Vision store knew that we'd be talking today. So uh, it'll be prominent there. You'll be able to find it. You'll be able to buy it uh, in Vision store today. Uh, Ken, I guess uh, it's available other places as well. But, uh, yeah. but Vision store is the easiest one for people to be sure. pointed to today. Uh, it's called Tetelestai. It is finished. And we get to this point in our conversation, Ken, where we have to say it is finished (laughs) because Focus on the Family is coming in just a few moments. Just want to say appreciate uh, you so much. Great words of wisdom and uh, uh, wonderful to be able to have the opportunity for you to interact with listeners. And uh, I know listeners will be very appreciative of your wisdom and insight into those things today. Ken Legg, thanks for being with us on 2020. Thanks, Neil. A pleasure and a privilege to be here. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.